Welcome to This Week in Rauk Beer, the world's most important, long-running, and awarded show dedicated to smoked beer. From the BSG Studios, I'm your host, John Hall, and we're brought to you by Beer Edge. Subscribe to the newsletter at BeerEdge.com, follow us on social media, listen in to the Beer Edge podcast and the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast, and help support independent journalism. And don't forget to keep up with This Week in Rauk Beer on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Bill and Hagen are busy this week on the brewery packaging line, working on their very real Paco Smokes, which will release on April 4th and includes a Rauk Beer, a Rauk Doppelbach, a Graditsky, and a Rauk Weizen. Check out Dovetail on social media or in person to learn more. But fear not, we'll get a brewer's update through Lisa Allen of Heater Allen Brewing in Oregon, and then we'll catch up with Francisca Weyerman on the family business and smoking malts. Jack Hendler of Jack's Abbey in Massachusetts opens up the Smoky Malt Mailbag with us, and then Bart Watson is here, as always, to break down the numbers. But first, This Week in Rauk Beer is brought to you by BSG Hop Solutions. Meet the latest in the BSG Hop Solutions portfolio, Sativa. Strong expressions of stone fruit, floral, and resinous pine flavors and aroma define this blend, crafted specifically for use in hazy IPA and other hop-forward beers. Sativa is ideal for aroma, whirlpool, and dry hop additions to hazy and juicy IPAs or for any other hoppy styles where a combination of citrus, tropical fruit, and pine aromatics are desired. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more or call 1-800-374-2739. All right, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Hagen and Bill are off this week, but I'm thrilled that sitting in the Brewers Smokes Meet this week is Lisa Allen. She works at Heater Allen, which is a family brewery that she is part of the family of in Oregon. And Lisa, first of all, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I know this is a great honor for you. I love smoke beer. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. As do we. So you're in the right place. And and so your brewery um, makes some non-smoked beers, which which is confusing to me. Um, and and we can sort of talk about those if 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 you want. Uh, but I'm I'm much more interested in your Rauk beers and what you're doing and what you're finding working. And so I'll lead off as I do every week by asking you this question. What's new this week in Rauk beer? What is new in Rauk beer? Well, I uh, am happy to say that I keep seeing more breweries that are releasing, at least in the Portland area, um, Rauk Hellas, which is great. Um, I actually was able to have fresh off the canning line from Forland Brewing. That's also in McMinnville. Yeah. Lunar Illusion, which is their Raukellis. Very tasty. Um, and then I know uh, Wayfinder in Portland just count, canned their Crusher Destroyer, which is their Rauk Bach. Um, so some very tasty Rauk beers coming out right now. I know that I am... Uh, we don't have we don't have a route beer right now in tank, but um, we well, are going to do. Why are you on the show that... then? <laughs> you know, I have to. I I love spreading the love of of smoke beers, even though even if I don't, you know, currently have one available. Um, but, but are you I dreaming am, about? Uh, are you planning out your next recipe? Is oh, it an yeah, ever present thought um... in your brewer brain? <laughs> yes, always. 
Um, I actually have uh, been working on the schedule and I have uh, our brew day for our Raukellas that actually is a collaboration with Wayfinder um, that we will release probably in July. So still a ways out, but, you know, never, never too early to plan for Rauk beer. Um, so Oregon and, is uh, a, we will see. Yeah. Yeah, Oregon, we've got there's lots of breweries that are making delicious smoke beers in the in the great state of Oregon. Well, I, I'm wondering where it ranks though, because Oregon is known for being a great beer state, and I always think of it as a hop forward state. But certainly, um, it is known for lagers, and uh, it used to be known for um, at least one Hefeweizen, which you know I, I think is hard to come by these days. Um, are people walking in? to your brewery back when they could um, or going to the stores and asking for Rauk beer by name? Um, you would actually be surprised at how often I do get that question. Um, I, would not be surprised. I have gotten multiple calls recently about uh, where to find our Rauk Bach, which we are sold out of. Um, and so it, you know, obviously the demand is there need to make more Rauk beers all the time. Always have one available. When you think about, and this is a serious question, when when you think about creating a new Rauk beer, what, where do you start? How, how do you construct a uh, recipe? I'm, I kind of think of what the style that I'm going for with the Rauk, what particular like, if it's, you know, if it's a Rauk Bach, if it's a Rauk Hellas, if it's going to be more a, like, Bomberg-style um, traditional, like, Mertzen. Um, and then I decide, based on the style, I decide how what percentage smoke I want to put in it. Um, and then build the recipe um, out from there. Um, the smoke percentage, yeah, I think that with a Rauk beer, that's kind of the best place to start depending on how how smoky you want it because then you can uh you can build the beer from there obviously so uh yeah is there i'm always curious about the how smoky you want it because sometimes a light touch can go a long way and then sometimes it's really just sticking your face in what's left over from campfire a couple of days later uh and and inhaling deeply um Where's the sweet spot for you? Um, I like to be, for most of the smoked beers that I make, I try to be, it's usually, it's going to be at least 20% smoke and um, probably no more than like 40%. Um, I do at some point want to make a beer that's 50% smoke malt, but have not done that yet. Um and, uh, but yeah, I like a Rauk Hellas. I think that, um, I think people can be afraid of adding too much smoke, but you want people who don't like smoked beers aren't going to drink it. So you may as well make it decently smoky because the people who are going to drink it like smoked beers, like that's why they're ordering it. So you might as well make it pretty, pretty prominent, you know? I've known you to be thoughtful with beer and food pairings. Are there food dishes that you find play exceptionally well with smoked beers? 
like beyond the normal barbecue? Um, yes. Uh, I think that, um, something that's kind of, uh, nice and hearty, like, uh, well for, I'm thinking like a, like a Ralph Bach or something would go really nicely with like a stew, mm-hmm. um, a beef stew. Um, Rauk Hellis, uh, I kind of think of like a roast chicken be really yeah. good with a Rauk Hellis. Yeah. Like with some vegetables, some root vegetables and yeah. Now, now I'm just, now I'm getting hungry. No, I, I am too. Like this is, this, this whole segment is backfiring <laughs> on me now, uh, because now I just need to go out and, and, and grab a bite for lunch. Um, yeah, I know your brewery is rooted in the traditional, but occasionally likes to uh, swerve outside of the lines. Have you been thinking about some of the, you know, other items that have been smoked and added to beer um, or different types of wood or uh, different ways of getting smoked flavor into your beer? Has that sort of crossed your mind or is that just too far off the, the beaten smoky path? Um, I have uh, I have made a uh, a beer with um, oak smoked wheat actually before okay. that was really interesting and I actually have I I think it would be um, some of the smaller craft maltsters are kind of making smoked malt with some very interesting woods and so I think something like that might be interesting to try at some point I know um, I think. Gadget has like a white oak smoked uh, barley that they do. Um, so yeah, I've I've definitely thought about it, and probably will at some point. Hope to do something with one of something outside the normal um, Bomberg smoked beechwood malt. Wonderful, Lisa Allen of Heater Allen Brewing. Thanks for telling us what's up this week in Rauk Beer. Of course. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by BSG. From hops to malt to all of your brewing ingredient needs, go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more or call 1-800-374-2739. In our conversation with Bomberg this week, I'm delighted to welcome Francesca Weierman. She's the latest generation at the helm of the famed family malt business. From what's happening during the pandemic to what lies ahead, she joined me via Zoom to talk all things smoked malt. As the next generation to lead the business, I think it's important to look back a little bit. And your family name is synonymous with smoked malt around the world. How did the family first start in the malting business? Yeah, um, my family has been in in malting for uh, over 140 years, 142 actually this year, Um, how my family got into malting. So we can trace our roots in Bamberg uh, to the middle of the 15th century. And my family always has been in the business of grain handling and uh, right up to the point where we started uh, malting, we, my, my family, my ancestors, um, <laughs> shipped, shipped the grain on, uh, on barges along the river. And then uh, at some point in time, uh, 
my ancestors thought, okay, there has to be, we have to have something more. And uh, luckily my great, great grandfather, um, he married a woman who had the sufficient funds uh, because her parents had an, uh, a pharmacy. And so he told them, guys, I have this great idea. We should roast malt. Um, and at that point, it was not for beer per se, but uh, more coffee in okay. 1879. So it was uh, very popular to have roasted malt as coffee because coffee was so expensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, the roasted malt would become the substitute. So that's what they did first. It was a very makeshift <clears throat> yeah, operation. And then uh, he just grew it from literally uh, a roasting drum under a tent to uh, this beautiful place that we have now. And it wasn't always this big. He just um, year after year. Uh, when it was possible, he built new buildings and, and built additions and uh, every generation added to it. And um, I think what is, yeah, what is the, why our factory, it, it is beautiful. Why it looks so beautiful is because as we do, as we still do, we um, focus very much on con continuity. So we want um, everything to work seamlessly together from one generation to the other. And uh, yeah, we've only worked with three architects in uh, our 140 year history. So I think this really shows just, yeah. And this is, this yeah. is how we started. Um, and then when my parents uh, took over uh, 35 years ago, so my mother took over from her father um, and obviously met my father, which was very <laughs> lucky for both of them. And uh, they had their first uh, uh, porter in Fredericksburg, Texas. And they said, said, this is what we really should do. We should focus on getting um, the specialty malts, high quality specialty malts to the small brewers and just to make anything uh, very tailored to the small brewer, like the small bags, easy to open, uh, quality that's always the best and it's always the same quality so the brewer can really rely on us to be creative with anything else because we are always there as like the foundation yeah and uh yeah when we started uh doing this like other monsters would tell us you're absolutely crazy we're never gonna touch like a 50 pound pound bag 55 pound bag this is insane why are you doing this and i yeah. think our story really gives us yeah, meaning behind this because now everybody's doing it. And when we did it, like 1994, 1995, it was insane. And I, I can still remember when I was a child, we used to hand close the bags. They're like different strings, colors for different mm -hmm. malt types. And I can still remember that I, I used to play with the strings because they're, you know, they would just lie around and make extra. And coming from this and seeing where we are now with like fully automated bagging line and the QR code on the side. And yeah, it's uh, we've, we've come a long way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm having a hard time getting past uh, your great grandfather uh, making coffee or a coffee substitute from, from smoked malt only because uh, the lack of caffeine I, I think is criminal and yeah. uh, it's, <laughs> It yes. seems almost cruel um, these days, but uh, 
you know, when it, this, yeah. this, the thing is that now, now the, 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 um, the malt in the coffee is, is having resur- resurgence because so many people are trying to cut out caffeine. Um, and we actually have quite uh, a number of customers who use uh, smoked malt, but also roasted malt for the flavor and uh, the color in, in their coffee substitute project pr- products. Product. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, if the it's day comes, not, yeah. yeah, we're not used to, I mean, we live in a, in a society or in a, in a place and time where everything is very um, available. Like you can just go to the store and get coffee, but in 1879, <laughs> there's yeah. no coffee for the, for the people who are just regular workers. There's no way to achieve, to, to, to get coffee. So I think it was more about the, um, getting the taste and getting, you know, the caffeine that we all really need Yeah. in this time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to talk flavor profile of, it, it, it seems like smoked beers are, um, and, and it's mostly due to, to, you know, this community that we're fostering right now, but, uh, is really on the rise and that people are. Uh, paying attention to uh, smoked beers uh, in, in, in ways that they hadn't before. And a lot of people understand, you know, hops and the flavors of hops and the aromas of hops um, and certain malts as well. Um, what do you see as a hallmark flavor-wise, aroma-wise of a great smoked malt? So I love smoked malt. I did my, even did my, I love it so much. I even did my bachelor's thesis on like the aroma of smoked malt. I think smoked malt is just, of course, you can have it like in your face, schlenkele, 95% smoked malt, like biting into a piece of ham. That's the one side. But the other side, I think it's, it gives you, it can give so much depth to a beer. If you just add like that, one, two, three percent of smoked malt to a beer. And it's just going to give you like so much depth that you you don't know that you have smoked malt in it. But it just, yeah, I just, I'm really, I love smoked malt and I love smoked beer. And I think every smoked malt that is out there has um, a very different um, yeah, purpose. I mean, if you have like a very peated smoked malt, that's just, so very intense and it's just not going to give room too much else but if you have like a beach smoked barley malt from Wireman, it's very <clears throat> it's very subtle and the, the flavors are very round and it's um it's it's very smooth in a way um to give you if you want if you use it a high percentage it, it, it's going to give you that punch but if you just use it as like a little bit of a an extra a little bit of that sea salt in your dish it's just gonna add so much to your beer and i mean a lot of a lot of german brewers do it too to just add that little little extra what do you see as the future of smoked malt um what what's on the horizon i think smoked malt is smoked malt can go anywhere i mean we just talked with my family before we started recording this podcast my my partner said we should do like a, a um, what's the word? Ah, 
Jesus, geez, Louise. Uh, <laughs> can, uh, cannabis smog mode. And I said, that's, oh. that's a great idea. It's not going to happen in Germany. But there's... Uh, there's probably an audience for it here. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. I mean, it's in the US, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, but there's no ending. I mean, it ends when you stop at... Uh, you know, there's an ending at how much different types of woods there is. But I mean, I can see different like maybe herbs coming in i think there's no real um real stop to it and we're always constantly experimenting and like seeing uh, different types of woods what what could come next in in this uh, yeah whole world of, of smoke malts um there's always you know there's always things going on behind the scenes but i think there's so much to go like there's so much variety that 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 can be there in, in, in smoke malts. And uh, yeah. yeah. What are your major export markets? For what my major export market. Yeah, so yes. the number, number one is uh, North America. So okay. U S Canada, but then um, it, it varies totally. So a lot of, a lot of it goes to Asia, um, Eastern Europe, um, for Brazil is a big market. Italy is a big market. Uh, Russia. We go where the beer goes. Yeah, <laughs> we say, um, it's worldwide. We, I love it. Yeah, it's we 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 do 135 countries, so it's very our life is very colorful, and I think it's amazing, and I love interacting and seeing how the different trends go around the world and. It's, it's a circle and everything goes full circle and then it starts again. And uh, yeah, I love seeing um, smoked beer uh, being on the rise. Well, we do as well. So thank you so much for taking a, a, a few minutes and sharing the family story and what's on the horizon. This was, this was really insightful. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're very welcome. It's now time for the Smoked Malt Mailbag, your very real Roush questions answered by an actual brewer. Assisting us this week in the mailroom is Jack Hendler of Jack's Abbey in Massachusetts. Welcome to the broadcast, Jack. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get to the questions, I understand, I'm told by my producers, that you make a Roush beer of your own. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So we do have one year-round uh, smoked dark lager called Smoke and Dagger. Uh, we do a few smoked beers throughout the year, but Smoke and Daggers are our year-round version. I love that you make a, a, a year-round version. I hope it. I hope it catches on for you. Yeah, well, we've been brewing it since we opened nearly ten years ago, so it's been a mainstay of the brewery ever since. Amazing. Well, let's get to the questions. The first one comes from a Niles R, and he writes. Do you also find that having a Roush beer at a fire can subdue the smoke of the beer? And then he notes that he's attributed this to his nostrils being filled with the sulfur coming off of the fire itself. Well, I, I suppose the answer to, to this question depends. Are you an Eagle Scout making a fire or are you some city slicker who's pulling live limbs off the of trees and making a really smoky fire? Um you know, potentially there's a little similarity in the smoke character coming off a fire versus your beer, but uh, you'll be using different woods than would be in a in a Ralph beer, and hopefully it's not so smoky that it's uh, uh, filling your nostrils when you make that fire. So 
potentially, but uh, you know, maybe he needs some more work on building on fire. Uh, the show is incredibly popular with Eagle Scouts, so you're you're speaking to the right <laughs> audience. Our next question comes from Johan R, and he wants to know why is peated smoke malt the devil in beer? Well, I'm going to be even more controversial. I mean, I can't I can't even smell scotch, and I'm sure everyone's going to be offended by that statement. Um, you know, it's one of those things you learn you learn about these off flavors, and then once you know what those that off flavor is, it's tough to to come back around and enjoy it, even when it's supposed to be approachable. So, I don't know. Selling with Pete as a brewer, uh, totally uh, turned off by by that that smell that burnt plastic. I'm not sure who likes burnt plastic as a smell, but you know, to each their own. We are actually, uh, our audience is largely comprised of people who enjoy the aromas of burnt plastic, who are also <laughs> Eagle Scouts. Our next question comes from CJ Louder, and she would like to know why, chemically speaking, do some Roush beers taste like meat? What is the meaty element that makes one more bacon-like than another? Yeah, this gets to the heart of, of, of smoked beer and what, what makes meat tastes like barbecue what makes barbecue taste like barbecue it's it's wood so it's it's that smoke from burning wood that makes your beer smell the way it is so in the same way you smoke meat you're smoking malt in the exact same manner generally with a different wood um but you're creating smoke you're then drying your malt over that smoke it's incorporated into the malt then it's incorporated into the beer and it's not any, uh, it's the same exact process as uh, making uh, smoked meat. So that's why they uh, smell the same and have that meat flavor. And depending on what wood and how much smoke you actually incorporate will change the meatiness of, of that flavor. Interestingly enough, most of our listeners are actually vegetarians. <laughs> as we start to wrap up here, our final question comes from G. Scott S., and he would like to know, you as a professional brewer, how do breweries keep up with the crazy increasing demand? He says he can barely get his hands on Rauk beer anymore. There's like these 10 guys and they all buy like 10 cases at a time and then it's sold out and then no one else gets to enjoy it. So that's sort of what's happening. I think you need to, to start like a lotto system then. <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, yeah. I mean, talk about uh, an underappreciated style. Uh, you know, maybe he just needs a new marketing tweak. So instead of smoke beer, something else that uh, sounds more more appealing. Well, time will only tell. Jack, thanks so much for answering our listener questions and for being a good sport. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. As he does every week, Bart Watson, the chief economist of the Brewers Association, is here with the latest in Roush Beer stats. What you got, numbers jockey? Well, since we're nearing a year in on the pandemic, I thought it would be interesting to take a full year look and um, and step back at you know how um, smoke beers, Roush beers have performed uh, over the past year during during this COVID era. And you know, I don't I don't think it should be a surprise to anybody who's followed the numbers, but you know, like many styles, people who couldn't get their Roush beers on premise flocked to the on off premise to, to buy more packaged Roush beer. So, um, you know, looking at the numbers, we see that sales were up about 15 percent uh, by volume year over year. Um, and of course, everything was up. So, you know, we need to step back and, and I think we need to put this in share terms. I think that's that's more appropriate. So so Roush beer increased share. 
uh, within overall beer, uh, moving from 0.0077% to 0.0081%. So, you know, with a growth rate like that, I think we can call it one of the one of the fast movers and, and something that, you know, really grew during, during the past year. When we think of Roush beer, we're often thinking about lagers or the occasional porter. Uh, is the data showing you that there are other styles that are really taking off and, and, and putting their hooks into the market? Yeah. I'm glad you asked this. And, you know, IRI and Nielsen for some reason still don't have this as, as a style. So, you know, to get this, you have to look through all the brands, look for, you know, smoky, smoked, smoking, um, and, and all sorts of terms. And, and so that means you get to see all the brand names. So one of the things I've been looking at recently is, you know, how many different styles have become smoked in recent years? Um, and it's not just Porter um, or Amber Ales anymore. You know, we're seeing, um, you know, some different types of stouts, so chocolate stouts that are also smoked. Um, and I thought it was interesting that we're starting to see more IPAs, which which makes sense. I mean, IPA has grown in so many different directions. Um, and it's only natural that, you know, when people are looking to continue that growth, they would consider smoked as, um, you know, as a natural extension of, of IPA. And and some of those were pretty, pretty strong growers last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if smoked IPA is the next IPA variant that, that really takes off in the U.S. One of the things that I know we're all very concerned about these days is access and, and being able to drink uh, our, our Roush beer at home. Uh, I've been hearing rumors of can shortages out there, which which makes me very, very nervous, but also slightly confused since everybody knows that the, the best route comes from a bottle. Um, what, what's, what's the breakdown in packaging? Yeah, you, I think you're right that traditionally, you know, routes have been served in bottles. Um, uh, but, you know, people want them on the go now. I mean, we're a convenient society. And, and so cans are often more portable when you want to smoke your beer at the beach or at the golf course. Um, so, you know, we have seen a lot of volume move into the cans. And you know, one thing I found interesting this year is that that bottles kind of reasserted themselves. So they gained share last year. Um, so uh, we saw share go up for bottles by about 1.5 percentage points um, within uh, overall smoked beers. And, you know, I think this presents, again, an opportunity for brewers. You know, we, we know that cans are tight some places. You know, I just gave you some of the stats about how, you know, smoked beers are a gross style. So, you know, overlapping those, moving your smoked beer into bottles or moving, you know, into a new smoked beer in bottles might be a growth opportunity that doesn't strain your can supply and allows you, you know, some additional growth going forward. You're doing the Lord's work, Bart. Thanks for putting in the extra hours to bring us these very real stats. And I'll look forward to talking with you again next week. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Before we go, a reminder that This Week in Rauk Beer is brought to you by the Barca line of Weirman Specialty Malts. Barca once enjoyed the highest reputation among German brewers and was once the most common barley variety. Weirman believes in Barca as an all-time great in the history of barley varieties. With its unique qualities, especially for artisanal beers, it will continue to have a home in the portfolio of Weirman Specialty Malts for years to come. Available as Barca Pilsner Malt, Barca Vienna Malt, and Barca Munich Malt. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more or call 1-800-374-2739. And that, my friends in Rauk, is the end of our show for this week. A reminder to join the Facebook group and to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TWRaukBeer. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, for your telegrams of support, your willingness to indulge on this first day of April 2021. I'm John Hall, and for now, stay safe, look out for one another, and drink that smoke if you got it. Good night.